I don't know if this is good or bad. I'm not so sure I'm judging it, but, you know, now we look at Congress and our legislature across the country and largely it's a career now it's right. not right. they are citizens and they bring experience but i'll tell you i love working with the legislators in ohio who have businesses we have yeah. we have car dealers we have um, entrepreneurs um, we have grocery store owners we had two people in um, our legislature one just left to go work for the ohio chamber who owned italian um Grocery stores. I mean, just wow. like Aww, yeah. just just like cool stuff. Like they have a whole other life, and they have an understanding, so that when they come in to legislate, it's not about them and their career and them trying to work their way up to president mm-hmm. or something like that. They they literally have experience, and they take a break to go serve. And those are the best. Those citizen legislators. Yeah. We just we just need more of them. They're great. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Lancelot's Roundtable. It is a Saturday. And it is still winter, and that means... Well, actually, we just hit the first day of spring a week or two Technically, ago. Technically, yes. So, but it snowed today. This is going to be one of our last podcast recordings for the year because when spring and summer hits, we're just so busy being outside, we can't really take a, a Saturday and do a podcast. So I'm very excited about our guest today. Kim's here. Hi, Kim. Hey, guys. And uh, I have been excited about having this guest on for at least a year, probably more like a year and a half and we finally were able to schedule it out, so I'm very mm. excited to welcome Bo Uten Thank to you. the podcast. Welcome to the roundtable, Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yes, yeah, so tell, tell everybody a little bit about uh, who you are. Who is Bo? Sure. Who is Bo? Bo is complex. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, um, I, I'm a resident of Central Ohio. I live up in Delaware, Ohio. I'm actually a township trustee up there in Delaware Township, um, and I have my own business, First Harvest Consulting which I work on some lobbying, legislative lobbying, executive lobbying, and I also do some business development connecting in Ohio. Most of my friends would say I'm a connector. I tend to know a lot of people and like to introduce them to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I grew up in southern Ohio in Jackson County mm-hmm. um, in Appalachia, and my, I was a daughter of small business owners. My dad um, owned at first a um, road construction company, and then in later years he owned an appliance store. Mm-hmm. So I was always brought up to to understand that you've, you've got to work hard for what you want and you yep. eat what you kill, so to speak, that the money you bring in is yours. And so in my adult life, I've either, I've worked for other people. I was vice president of the Ohio Chamber of Commerce for nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked for a nonprofit called City Year for several years. I was the development director and it's kind of like an urban peace corps where they do great work in inner city schools here in Columbus. Wow. Um, but then after being at the chamber for nine years, I, I ran Mary Taylor's um, statewide campaign for governor that she lost. And I decided not to go back to chamber, even though it was offered the chamber. I decided to, to hang out my shingle once again and be an entrepreneur again. And it's going really well and I'm enjoying it. That's so fascinating. Okay. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about growing up in Appalachia. Your dad was a small business owner. Yep. So did you, did he give you jobs? He did. I had to do inventory in the in the um, store a mm-hmm. lot of the times, which was so boring because you're like, how many washers are there? Like like those little washers or how many screws or... Oh, not like a ma- washing machine. No, like, like how, a, many, yeah. oh, how like many dryer pieces. timers oh, do geez. we have or whatever? Yeah, yeah. The, you didn't have to count the appliances. You could just mm-hmm. see what they were there. And, um, and then I would go with him on service calls and I was the best little assistant and I knew what all the tools were. So he'd be like, I need a wrench and I'd hand him a wrench yeah. or whatever. Awesome. And I started doing that when I was like eight and nine years old. I would go with him and do that. Um, and my mom did the sales. My dad did the service. That's so, um, so it's a whole family operation. Yeah. It was. It was. My brother, Troy, who's seven years older than me, he did sales when he was in high school um, as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. But they got out of that business when I was 
I was maybe 14 or 15, my dad went to, um, he, he went to run a, um, be vice president of a pipeline company. So he went to work for somebody else. And the like rest an oil of his, pipeline? um, gas pipeline. gas pipeline. So the rest of his life, he worked for them. And then he actually worked for Kokosing, um, yeah. for several years. Yeah. And then he retired. Yeah. Um, so first part of his life, he was an entrepreneur. Well, this is cool. I don't mean to go on no, about my good. dad. His very first part of his life, he actually was part of the, um, the, the, the movement um, under Eisenhower that built the um, the interstate highway system, mm-hmm. and wow. so he was he was uh, when he was alive. He passed away a couple years ago. You'd be driving on some seventy one, seventy five, wherever. Oh, back in nineteen sixty five, I was part of the <laughs> you know yeah, building yeah, this yeah. highway or whatever. And so that was a cool thing that he did when he first started out, and then mm-hmm. became an entrepreneur. In the last few years, he worked for other people. Okay, so, that's that's really cool. Yeah. So I mean, what do you feel like? Growing up, small business, always working, your dad's working, your mom's working, and they're very self-reliant, resilient, it sounds like. What kinds of things does that instill in you? Um, it, a couple of things. I would say that one of the first things, well, and that we also were a family of faith, so it instilled in me that God had me no matter what, and I could always trust in him. Mm. There's great comfort in having a job and having a paycheck that you know is coming every two weeks. That's not a bad feeling. Yeah. Um, so, but when you get out on your own, you begin to learn you can make more money a lot of the time if you are the business owner and you're, you're, you're making the deals. Mm-hmm. And it's worth the risk. And that whole saying, a greater risk, greater reward, is, is true. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it's good to, to take larger risks because of where it can lead. Um, it can also lead to failure, but you know, some of the greatest things we learn in life, I think come through failure. And I, and I Mm. saw that in a couple of my dad's adventures. And then even in my own life, I've seen that too. Tell me Mm. about your, your biggest failure and what you learned from that. Hmm. I, I think it's, it's two, it's two experiences that are similar. I have always wanted to have Ohio, I, wa- I wanted to be part of and see Ohio have a Republican woman governor. Mm-hmm. That's always been important to me. And back in 2005, I was in seminary actually working on my master's in clinical pastoral counseling because I was mm-hmm. done with this path. I was done with politics, public policy, all that. I was done. And Betty Montgomery decided to run for governor, mm-hmm. and I like her very much, and she's a friend, and she asked me to come help her. So I took a hiatus from seminary, which actually turned into never going back, to help her on her governor's race, which eventually turned into her attorney general's race that she lost to Mark Dan that year. And there was a lot of Republican scandal that year. Betty didn't do anything wrong, but she just got swept away with a scandal. So so that was a failure. And then I left the chamber um, to help Mary Taylor in her race for governor. And um, I think very highly of Mary. Even today, she's a good friend. She um, is conservative. She is caring about the state. And um, we worked on that primary, and it just, it just was a mess, and, and it just didn't happen, and we, we lost again. So those two kind of failures of trying to get a Republican woman governor elected, those have been failures, I would say, in my life that I've learned a lot from and grown from, and I don't regret them at all. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, it's, hard, it's hard to go through failure and not let it take you out and take you down. And the best thing that you can do, I think, is learn from it. So um, when I, I mean, I, I had some pretty intense failures when I was, when I was, well, when I was first out of college trying to figure out my way. Um, 
it did it didn't go very well so like I just when I think about failure I think about yeah I want to learn from it I want to grow from it I don't want to let it take me out so um that's it's just fascinating that you've been involved in so many different yeah. things and gone from gone from one thing to another thing and like taking those big risks. Yeah. I can't relate really. Well, I, and I, <laughs> sometimes I think my, I have no risk, um, anti-risk gene. I wish I did sometimes. But, sure. But you know, I, I also think in those failures and not even just those failures and other things, there is a grief process you have to go through too. You can't mm-hmm. just get up, dust yourself on off and say next thing. I, I had a period of mourning after both of those things and you got to kind of go through yeah. it and, pay attention to what you might have done differently and how things could have been better. That's and, really important for yep. sure. Yep. Can you tell us how you went through some of that grief process? What was that like? Um, not well, both times probably. Mm. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> true that story. Right. I relate right. to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're, not, you're not perfect in your grief process? <laughs> I mean, both times I just kind of um, lumbered through it, tripped up a little bit here and there. And it was and just kind of numb. And actually, after the primary, most recently with Mary, my dad had multiple myeloma. And the second half of 2018 was helping him um, as he inched toward dying. And he died in December of 2018. And what's I've never yeah. heard that term. What is that? Uh, it's you know I've been through a lot of cancer in my family, and this is I don't want anybody to have cancer, but this is one I wouldn't wor- wish on my worst enemy. Multiple myeloma is a blood cancer that eats your bones. And so by the time my dad had died, half of his spine was gone. His ribs were all broken. And um, goodness gracious, it's just an awful disease. And um, so it was, it was an awful time. And you, you, so you, I was trying to mourn the loss of the primary, which didn't, which pales in comparison to losing, as you can tell, my dad is a big part of my life and losing my dad, who was like one of my best friends. We were very close. So, Mm. um, you know, that's hard and really um, hard, really hard. And to watch him go through that was hard. I was grateful though. I'll tell you the good was that because I was just starting out my business, the second half of 18, I had a couple of clients. I was able to be there for my dad in a really whole way that I, Wow. Would not have been able to do, um, you know, if a Mary had won or I was at a yeah, forty-hour-a-week job. Yeah. Um, so God gave me the freedom to be able to walk beside my dad during that time and, and be part of it. So there's some so, gratitude there. Absolutely, for, yeah. for sure. Yeah, That's I mean, awesome. we were just yeah. literally talking about that yesterday. That mm-hmm. she had all her health issues in 2019. And then she was better, and then she reconnected with her dad. Yeah, which was like his last year. Amen. And then, yep. so I wouldn't have been able to enjoy that with him no. otherwise. So, no. Yep. And, I love that. And you yep. never would have known that in 2019. Right. I couldn't have planned for that. Awful. No. Yeah. No. You're just thinking about your own kind of misery and like, this is, right. this is the worst I thing hate ever. This. I went out. But yeah. Then, yeah. Then you get through it, and then you realize that there's like providence yep. all tied up in it. And yeah, absolutely. That there was a reason that things happened, which is really hard to recognize when you're going through it. Yeah. So I heard you mention something about Delaware Township. You you do what in, in Delaware? I'm a township trustee, which is, um, there's three trustees in our township and we kind of oversee, um, or oversees the wrong word. We serve is a better word, the township, mm-hmm. which those, we're a small township. We have 1,100 residents in our, or houses in our township, more people, but it's a lot of, um, you know, somebody saying, "My, um, I want to 
see this drain differently or my neighbor's yard is too high and it's making me mad. Right, you know, it's a right. lot of that stuff. <laughs> stuff. Uh, yeah, it's kind of random stuff. And, and we surround Delaware City, our township, uh-huh. and the city annexes because, you know, Delaware is just growing. So it's how mm-hmm. do we deal with that development in a yes. way that is good for the residents of our township. And, um, and I work with, with two great other township trustees and our fiscal officer. They're just all good people who want to serve. And it's been fun because I've mm-hmm. always been – Either st- I've either I worked for Governor Voinovich when he was governor in the official office, but mm-hmm. mostly I've been either at an association or doing political work. Mm-hmm. I've never sat there and had to do the the government work, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm learning a lot in that job, and I'm I'm enjoying it for the most part. How so, did you even get into that? I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, the the townships um, they had um, they had a township trustee who was mad about how the budget worked and didn't really, this is, I, this is hearsay or what I understand. Mm. Some issues on how you, um, how the budget works. So the township has a lot of money because it's in Delaware and uh, well, ARP, there's just money, you know, government, I don't know. That's, I, I'm, I'm tripping over that a little bit, but anyway, sorry. um, they needed to repave the roads and mm-hmm. they have a, they have a tax, a gas tax in the township or I'm sorry, part of the real estate that helps repay the roads. Okay. The gas tax comes from the state. They get that too. But there's a, and um, this one person wrote a letter to everybody saying they have so much money, they don't need this money, whatever. But they did need the money to repay the roads because in the government there's pots of money, and mm-hmm. you can't take money from this pot mm-hmm. to do this. Mm-hmm. It's just the law and how it works. Sure. So they they had a problem getting their roads repaved, and then one of the other township trustees reached out to me one day and said, hey. Um, we've got to get this passed. Will you be our treasurer on the race and help us a little bit? So I helped them a little bit, and we got it. They, it passed that time, and it was fine, so they could pay the roads. Well, then they had a, tr- a township trustee, um, Roger, who has, was there for a very long time and just a great trustee. He, 40 years he served either as a trustee or fiscal officer. Mm. And, mm-hmm. um, and to, to his horn a little bit, we have a township hall because of him. He was a banker by profession and got it. was able to get this township hall built and everything. He was retiring, and they needed somebody from the township. So one of the trustees called me one day. I was in Florida. I remember it was over the holidays. And he says, um, we're looking at trying to get some people who we could look at appointing to this. Would you consider appointment if we called you in? And they were asking a few people, not just me. Yeah. I said, well, let me pray about it, and then I, I'll think about it. So I, I hung up the phone. I said, God, here's my prayer. If you want me to do this, they have to call me back. <laughs> and I thought, well, nice. I'll get out of it that way. Not, yeah. I, and that did, I mean, not that I don't want to yeah. serve. I do, but I, I just wasn't sure about it. And mm-hmm. sure enough, a month later, they called and said, we, we're interviewing a couple people. Will you come in? And I came in, and they picked me. Is it like That's a awesome. like in, real quick? Yeah. Try to not hit the table. Oh, sorry. Because the bumps are coming through. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. Okay. It's okay. All right. That's just, it's one of the housekeeping things. We had another person do it a lot too. And we were like. You're doing a really good job of not saying um. We've had had a lot of um No one is good at that except you. Uh, Well, I practice. Well, one of my majors in college was mass media communications. And then I I would be on the radio and in my college sometimes. That's why. I'm I'm trying to kill the um monster in my own mouth because I think I do a great job. And then when I go back and listen to these, I'm like. Stop saying um and like, Lance. <laughs> yes. Is there like, like a whole semester like, focused on that? I, I can't remember. It's been so long, but somehow it got beat out of me. I don't know. That's, That's amazing. so funny. Okay. So here's my question. Okay. For the township stuff, and like I can cut stuff out. So like if okay. don't worry about it. If you trip over stuff, I'll, I'll clean it up. Okay. Awesome. Um, is it a term service? It is. So I was appointed last February and I served out that term. Okay. And then I was on the ballot in November. 
Oh, you were on a ballot. Unopposed. So, oh, um, wow. And so I have a four-year term, so I didn't really have to campaign or anything. That's nice. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, okay, well, that there's a lot of things that I want to go into with that. So I'll just pick one, and then we'll see where we go. Okay. Politics, voting, all that kind of stuff fascinates me. I think... I just I think there's a clear disconnect between how my parents' generation views politics, voting, parties, all that kind of stuff, to how I do it, to how my kids are going to view it. Mm. So I'm just curious, like, what your thoughts are on good ways to inform yourself as a citizen and good ways to take action as a citizen. Anything that you have to comment on that? Sure. First thing I would do is turn off the TV news whether it's liberal or conservative. Mm -hmm. And I would look for my news from places that uh, you read. And I would, I would also say, be careful what you read. Um, I would, you know, it's interesting what's going on in the Ukraine right now, the way things are represented. Somebody said to me the other day, the the place I feel like I'm getting the best news is BBC America. And Mm. I believe often they do a good job of just saying, this is what's happening. It's not, Slanted. The facts. It's just the facts, right? Mm-hmm. And then I do like some of the conservative blogs, and I'll read some of the liberal blogs or papers, but just read them all and make your own opinion. I have friends who will say, if I will say, well, I heard this on Daily Wire, or, or I read this on Daily Wire, they're like, well, that's conservative. Well, I understand that. But they're not just lying all the time. They're not sitting there just lying to you. Right. Sure. Like, Open your mind and your heart to different ideas so you can make your own. Don't just go down this one road and say, that's where I'm going to stay. And, and for people like me, who I am conservative, I, I, look, I read the New York Times. I read the Washington Post. I mm-hmm. get them in my mailbox every day. I look at them. Mm-hmm. Even though sometimes I think they're way off, I want to be open to what, how people are seeing the world. So I would say be yeah. open. And then if you want to serve, don't be afraid to get involved. Um, I've noticed even in my work with like smaller business owners at times or mid-sized business owners, that the state house is intimidating. First of all, anytime government's knocking at your door and you're a business, it's probably not a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, and then like, how do you change things or how do you get involved to go down there? It just is, is a foreign land a little bit. Yeah. And, and once they get involved, they think it's cool. It's kind of fun to, you know, go testify or go do this or that. Um, it's don't, don't let it intimidate you. It, it's the, you know, we, we're, we're a government built on people. And yeah. so right. as people, we've got to get involved, whether it's getting involved in your local Democrat or Republican party, mm-hmm. whether it's saying, um, I don't like how this thing is going, so I'm going to run. Um, one, of, one of my friends, Mary Taylor, who I mentioned earlier, she ran for city council because they were building a church at the end of her, um, her housing development. Mm-hmm. And people were really up in arms about it. And, and, and friendships fell out about it. Sure. So she mm-hmm. was fine with the church, by the way, but others weren't, and people moved out of the subdivision, and they ended up, she just got really involved politically. Yeah. And she was an accountant. She was just going to be an accountant the rest of her life. Yeah. And she ended up running for city council, and then her, her path changed dramatically because yeah. of that. Amazing. Get yeah, involved. Th- that's, yeah. that's all really fascinating, and I think that speaking, because I think there's a lot of discontent right now, and there's a lot of, there's so much information um, so much information out there. I really love the idea. Let me, let me kind of back up here. I felt, I have felt frustrated during many elections because it feels like, okay, I grew up in a very conservative family that probably always voted Republican. 
but I don't always agree with what Republicans do. And then, but I also don't agree with what Democrats do. And so my frustration would always happen around election time when it's like, I'm trying to research these people. And it's really hard to find stuff yeah. to inform yourself. So the, the informing yourself, especially in local stuff, it's, yeah. it's one thing to like on national, federal level stuff, you can generally know what you're, what, what you're voting for. But I, I want to find out about what people's principles are. I want to find out about how they've, what, what they're saying about stuff. But then after, even after they get voted in, are they sticking to what they've said? Or are they, are they not? Are they doing other things? So like, I love the idea of, of keeping myself informed. I think for me, it's been hard. I love what you said about exposing yourself to several different things mm-hmm. and sources, not, not getting, not, not exposing yourself to just like certain sources that make you maybe feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And do you have any thoughts on, on any of that stuff that I just said? It was kind of a ramble. You know, I think one of the things I would say, it's good to expose yourself and it is hard local, locally if somebody's especially running for the first time. Yeah. And then you can talk to the local party or you can talk to that person probably. They're pro- they would be amenable to talk. Mm-hmm. I noticed with some of the local races, nobody really pays attention or cares. I mean, when I was right. running for trustee, I had to get my, ba- my um, petition signed. And I first of all, when you're running for township trustee, and I do the same thing. You know, we're all out there on Anchorage, and then somebody's coming up your driveway, and you're like, "Who's on my land?" Right, right, yeah. right. So the whole time I was getting signatures, I'm like, "I come in peace." You know, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but then, just really well-educated people. I mean, I live in a township, you know, where the houses are not inexpensive, and yeah. And people were like, "Now, what is this? Now, what do you do? How does this work?" And and it's good to know that. It's good to figure that out. I would say the other thing I would say is, um. And you, you, you hit on it, and I, I want to say this well. I, I was talking to a client of mine the other day that we both have worked in politics for years, and they are in a different state. And we both were talking about how we've worked for people who don't always line up entirely with our political views. Like, mm. I work, Betty's moderate. I work for Betty Montgomery. She's moderate Republican. I'm not. I'm conservative. But she always got stuff done, and mm. she would make things happen, and she is an honorable human being. Yeah. And then there'll be people who line up with my views on paper, but then they're not good or yeah. they, or they really aren't honorable. We all can say who we are, but how yeah. do you find out who you are right. by your actions? Right. Right. So I, I think we often get stuck in this whole nowadays in politics. It's this list. I want you to agree with me on all these things. Right. And if you don't agree with me on just one of them, especially w- with the, the crazy liberals and the crazy conservatives, mm-hmm. then you're trash. Forget it. Yeah. And that's not okay. We're all people here. We're all trying to come from our best place, do what we need to do. This is not a way of governing. Right. It doesn't work. Right. Yeah. Um, so that drives me a little nuts. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. But I, I feel passionate now about being more involved in local, local things because there's not a whole lot of, change that seems to be able to happen at the big level, which I think is, is good. But, you know, I can, I can be involved and I can care about what's going on locally. And I think that, I mean, you've mentioned this a couple of times, the fact that we're people and what did you, how'd you put that? We're a government of people. Is that how you said that? Yeah, I think. I think yeah, I think that's how you said that. <laughs> yeah. But I like that is that we do get to live in a country where we can elect people. And if somebody decides to run... Hopefully they're doing it for, for, you know, good reasons, like you had mentioned, to, to, to serve people. 
And um, yeah, I just, I think it's a really good idea to be informed, to get involved, especially on the local level. I think more people need, we need to do that more as citizens. Mm -hmm. I'm not just saying like other people need to do it. I'm saying us as citizens, especially if we're unhappy with how things are happening, because there's like big, you know, there's big pushes that come down from the government whenever, whoever, regardless of who's in control and you don't like it. Well, you're, we've seen states recently, like fight against stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. We don't like that. So we're not doing that, that federal mandate, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't want a federal mandate on either side to be able to come down and affect my life in a, in a, in a way that we've seen it happen recently. So I love the idea that how things are built and designed, it's supposed to be, it feels like it's supposed to be more of the local levels are supposed to have more authority. That's right. Well, and and, the, and it's a kind of a political philosophy too. But you have states' rights versus federal, mm-hmm. and um, you know there are folks who prescribe to states' rights first, and there are folks who like federal rights better. And mm-hmm. um, the states' rights people tend to be more conservative. There are probably some moderates and liberals who like states' rights too. But it's it's a better place when you you're running your state. What's good for California is not good for Ohio. Right. right. So we have to think that way. We have to do mm-hmm. what we have to do here. You know, and back to just getting involved. When our country was first founded, the idea of the citizen legislator is is what we talked about. And so back in mm. the beginning of Congress, a guy would take a break from his farm and go serve for a little bit. And then he'd go back and right. pick up his shovel or his hoe and he'd get back to work. And um, we've made, um, I don't know if this is good or bad. I'm not so sure I'm judging it. But, you know, now we look at Congress and our legislature across the country and largely it's a career now it's right. not right. they are citizens and they bring experience but i'll tell you i love working with the legislators in ohio who have businesses we yes. have yeah. we have car dealers we have um, entrepreneurs um we have grocery store owners we had two people in um our legislature one just left to go work for the ohio chamber who owned italian um Grocery stores. I mean, just wow. like Aww, yeah. just, just like cool stuff. Like they have a whole other life and they have an understanding so that when they come in to legislate, it's not about them and their career and them trying to work their way up to president mm-hmm. or something like that. They they literally have experience and they take a break to go serve. And those are the best, those citizen yeah. legislators. Yeah. We just we just need more of them. They're great. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I've I've thought about that recently. Um the the career politicians, I I feel like I don't like them on either side, <laughs> especially if you've been doing it for more than a decade. Yeah. I, mm-hmm. I feel like you've just, how, how can you not lose touch with reality if you live in the bubble of like a DC and that's all you've known for decades and decades? Yeah. I might be wrong, but that's kind of how I feel. It's my friends who live in DC, the whole January 6th Capitol riot thing that went on. I, I'm not saying that was good. It wasn't, but I don't think right. about it much. It just doesn't resonate with me that much mm-hmm. you know there were i think there were i don't know a million people there mm-hmm. protesting and you know a thousand of them acted wrong and yeah. should deal pay for it and they are we've been seeing where they're going to jail and stuff mm-hmm. yep. but when i go to i'm in dc occasionally for work and i was there just a couple months ago and one of my a guy who used to work with me actually who's down there now he was talking about he kept saying and then the six and then the six and i'm like what's the six i didn't understand <laughs> yeah, it yeah, yeah. and in dc everybody talks about it all the time what happened there you know and, and yeah. out here I never think about it. And I don't mm-hmm. think most people think about it anymore, but it yeah. really is a... It, it, yeah, it, I, I imagine if you were there, yeah. it's probably more of like a, yeah, you know, like a, a, a thing seared in your mind. That's true. Or, yeah. Than it is maybe for us. Right, yeah. But um, 
Yeah. So like how, what are some ways, I mean, cause you've been involved in this kind of stuff. So, you know, people right now, I just, I just have pictures in my mind of citizens who just kind of complain on either side about stuff. So how can people, what's the best way for people to go from complaining about stuff to affecting change? Well, the first thing is vote. You'd be surprised at how many people don't vote. Sure. And in fact, on, um, in elections, like, you know, if you go to church and you look around your church, I guarantee you 50 to 60% don't vote. Really? Yeah. Wow. So it's, what, what, what's the factor involved in that, do you think? Eh, maybe their parents didn't vote or maybe they think they don't have time or they're frustrated. It, people just don't vote as much as we think they do. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to get – and by the way, the 50 to 60%, I have no proof of that. But I'm just saying a lot yeah, of people sure. – a lot more people don't vote than you think do. I, I could be wrong. But I do know we've got to get people to vote and yeah. care about it. Yeah. You, you'd be surprised if you start polling friends and family of the people who are smart, have good jobs, are engaged, who don't vote. Yeah. Um, and so we've got to get that happening. But so, but for somebody like you, you're engaged, you vote, you read, you're interested, you know, how do you get involved? I don't, I'm trying to figure out what government you answer to here. Like what government serves you yeah. here? It would well, be Columbus. Yeah. Okay. But we well, are we, in Westerville West, City Schools. That's the weird thing. So we pay Columbus taxes. Okay. Yeah. Our kids would go to Westerville schools. Yeah. So... So get involved if you want to get involved with your schools. Your school board is a good thing to get involved with. The city of Columbus is so big, um, you know, going down to city council to let your voice be known. Um, If there's an issue you care about and you don't, you think city council should do it differently than they're doing it, then you, you know, I don't know, print out some flyers, go to a door, talk about it with people. Yeah. Um, See, that's a big thing right there. Talking, talking. Yeah. I feel like one of the reasons that I wanted to start this podcast is because conversations, right? Yeah. yeah. So Lancelot's Roundtable was always supposed to be a place where I could learn about stuff. So I find out about some, like, somebody like you that has a fascinating life. Well, I want to, you, you probably have many different things that I could learn from. So have you on talk to you. It feels like when it comes with things like politics, it's everything politics is such a hypercharged thing. It's just hard for people to talk about. So like the Republican side or the conservative side, I think would tend to be like, okay, everybody's responsible for their own thing. You don't need any kind of government intervention or anything like that. And then the Democratic side feels like, or liberal side feels to me like, instead of that, they would be more like, but there's people that get lost through the cracks and we need to do something to help them. And so we need government intervention to help people. And then, and then their inability to talk to each other about that and co- to come to common ground. Right. And I, because of my bent, at least my upbringing or whatever, I, I do, I did tend to think about things as like, you're more responsible for yourself. Like if you're, if something bad happens in your life, that really has to do with you. That's your fault. Whereas my faith says something, something bad could happen to you. And I, if I can help, I should help. Right. So, um, why do we have, it, has it always been a thing where we have a hard time talking to each other or is it more pronounced and worse now? I think it's like? worse. I think the 24 hour news cycle has done a lot of damage. Yeah. I think that's one thing that's a problem. I think a lot about um, this issue. Well, a couple of things. The first thing I would talk about when you gave the example, the Republicans, you know, fix it yourself, Democrats, people fall through the cracks. I think in the middle, there's, there's a, a moderate view that both sides say, yeah, we've got to do yeah. some things. Um, one of one of the people I work with, they spend a lot of time around the country on unemployment and welfare reform. Yeah. And we've done such a disservice to people um, on our unemployment and welfare because um, we've kept people on it. And now it, this has become a hot button issue. When you talk about getting people back to work, there's an anti-work movement now. Yeah, I've heard of it. That you shouldn't have to work 
and that getting people off of welfare is mean. I mean, right. and it just makes no sense to me because you feel better when you work. We're mm-hmm. made to work. It's yeah. not a punishment. No. And in yeah. fact, if you are a believer, God implemented work before the fall. Right. You know, we had them name the animals. I mean, they, they were doing things. It wasn't just, they weren't just lounging around, you know, yeah. doing nothing. Yeah. Um, and work brings a lot of hope in your life. And, and unemployment is another thing where we have just let people languish on unemployment. Ohio has some of the worst unemployment laws in the country. Mm. Um, you can stay on unemployment up to 26 weeks mm-hmm. without a lot of push to get back to work. And, and meanwhile, we've got all these employers who have jobs they can't fill. Right. And they're not all minimum wage jobs. Mm-hmm. I, people will have you believe that they don't pay enough, whatever. There's a lot of well-paying jobs out there that they're having a hard time filling. Mm-hmm. And we have to figure out how to get people back to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a problem. And it, it, it's a problem when you talk about it with with legislative leaders or, or, or with people in politics. They, they start fighting over it. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand what the fight is. You want people to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just what we should all want. Yeah. The other issue I struggle with not struggle with. The other issue that I think we have a problem with is society, and it's so polarizing, and it shouldn't be because it's a heart issue, is race. Mm-hmm. We have such a racism problem in our country. The right denies it. The left wants to exacerbate it. Yeah. But we've got to help people get to where they are at work, where they're su- succeeding. We've got to work on the people who have racism in their hearts. Yeah. We have a lot of people in our country who have racism in their hearts. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with 24 hours news cycle, what, what you're told on TV right. about somebody you don't know. Yeah. And um, we've got to work on that. It, it's a hard issue. I've often thought about, um, I, I have a couple of friends that we talk about this issue who are African-American, and I've often thought about what would it look like if you did roundtables around the state and you, mm. you, you invited people of different races to talk about their experience. Right would that begin to break down walls or would it just become a fight? I don't know what would happen, but we've got to work on this. Um, yeah. It, it, it breaks my heart. It, mm-hmm. It's something I care deeply about. Yeah. It's such a, it's such a tinder box. Yeah, it is. And it, as we've seen, it takes, it takes one thing and then that tinder box just goes up and it yeah. explodes. And how do we get better at it? How do we, I, th- I think, I think again, to me, conversation is really important because I have a narrow view because I'm looking at everything through my own eyes and through my own experiences. The only way that I can get better informed then is to, to talk and, and, and listen to what other people have to say and what, what it's like, like I was saying, my, my, my tendency is to go do my job, provide for my family. And that's kind of it. Mm hmm. Meanwhile, there's people out there that are really struggling. Yeah. And I have other people that are in my life that r- can remind me of that, and they're passionate about it where I'm not. And so they can remind me, yeah, there's people out there that need help, and they're passionate about it, and that lights something in me. Mm-hmm. And so then, I, then that yeah. kind of gives me fuel to go do something, and then I can affect positive change. So I need people in my life mm-hmm. that don't think the way that I do, that can remind me of things that are important because it's valuable to them. Same thing on, on my side. I have something of value because I value hard work. I grew up, my, my father was a carpenter. We, were, we did not have tons of resources mm-hmm. growing up. <laughs> uh, something would break, he had to fix it. Right. And if he didn't know how to fix it, he had to figure out how to fix it. Could mm-hmm. take a couple days, but like the car would break down and he would have to go fix 
a car. I remember he would go out in wintertime and he'd be in his like jump, not jumpsuit, but like a Carhartts. No, he didn't have Carhartts back then. He, it was basically like a, a snow all one mm. type of a thing. So he'd go out there with his coat and that and his like different tools and everything and try to fix the car. And it would be like an all day event. So we didn't have a ton of resources growing up, and that was a very long-winded way of saying that. But um, So to me, I valued hard work and taking care of things that you can take care of and kind of being self-reliant, self, yeah. self-resilient. Um, so I can help people be like, hey, you know, like it is important to go work. So go, you know, go work, go get a job, find something that you want to do, find something that you can like love and enjoy and like and, and go do that. So all that to just to say like different points of view and yeah. different perspectives mm-hmm. are really, really, really important. And yeah. if you can't talk, if citizens can't talk to each other, right. then we're lo- then citizens are losing and citizens are hurting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I wonder too, just about, you said that it's a heart issue. Yeah. So is it sort of this logical fallacy that we can say, oh, we'll sit down with opposing views and I will get so angry at you and you will magically change your heart issue right in front of my eyes. Like that we somehow assume that the fighting is going to change your heart right. when we all need to be able to like go on a journey with each other because changing your heart isn't like, it has to be a, a transformational process. You can't, right. you know, you can't force it. Well, and the fighting that we're seeing is all on social media. I haven't right. seen a lot of in-person. <laughs> exactly. And, and I think that's the other thing is when you talk to people face to face, you see them as people. Yeah. Yep. So I, so one thing I did, so when I worked for City Air in my 20s, I was there from, I think I was 25 to 30 or 29. And um, it, the 17 to 24-year-olds, they do 10 months of service, and it's really diverse. You have kids who are working on their GED. We had mm-hmm. kids who graduated from Harvard mm-hmm. and everything in between. Mm-hmm. And not they're young adults and, and race racially very diverse. Mm-hmm. And I was renting at the time in German Village when I first started working, but I wanted to own a house, and I couldn't really afford much. And... Um, my mom grew up in inner city Toledo until she was 14 and then moved to Southern Ohio. Mm-hmm. And um, so in our family, we always, um, we just didn't have a lot of racism in our family. We were, we were, we knew, we knew everybody and my parents never taught that at all. And yeah. um, yep. so, but when I, when I was looking for a house, the only house I could afford was on Wilson Avenue, south of Lockbourne Road, where it's probably 80% black. It's 20% Asian, Hispanic, white is mm-hmm. what it was. And I found this cute yellow house and I bought the house to live there. And I learned a lot about the black community living there because I got to know my neighbors. Yeah. And you know what was so cool about living there that I don't have now is people will talk to each other on the street at the end of the day. Yeah. You'll get your mail and your neighbor would yell at you and have a conversation. Yeah. And now I am, have lived in my house um, since 2007. I know my one neighbor next to me. We're friends. We, and we, we actually would have known each other differently anyway. My neighbor to the right of me, there's a field between us. The only time I've ever had a conversation is when he signed my petition. Never talked to him. I don't know his name. Yeah. I don't know my neighbor across the road. I don't know because they're in the country. You move to the country. I guess you don't like people. And you like <laughs> hide or whatever. But I miss that time with my neighbors down on Wilson Avenue. I miss the time that I was there and um, just getting to know people. It was a good. It was good. Yeah, we grew up in Clintonville. Uh, and yeah, we, so growing up in Clintonville, I, I remember we had neighbors all over the place and my parents knew them. They'd have conversations with people three up, two down directly next door. My grandma lived right next to us for like my early, early, early childhood. Mm -hmm. 
And that's a good point. Like instead of hanging out and chatting with our neighbors, we come home. It's just so different socially. It is. I mean, technology exploded so quickly that like it's it's way more normal to get on and interact with your phone and people through social media than it is to interact with people in your um, in your in your direct vicinity. Yeah. And that's I wish I hope that that's something that 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 can change. We have a really good relationship with our immediate neighbors over here. Mm-hmm. Well, it, I, but I think that's mostly beca- maybe that's mostly because we live in a cul-de-sac. So it's m- a lot more natural to go out in the front yard and see your neighbors and like we have our kids all play together. So there's that factor too, but yeah. yeah, I mean there's just there is something I think getting to know your neighbors is a very easy thing to do and I mean this neighbor over here, he's really handy, so he's helped me. <laughs> with a couple like my mower quit working and he came over and like looked at it and he figured out in like two seconds what the deal was oh, awesome. so i ordered the part and like got it fixed it was just like it was the it was the uh whatever that safety mechanism is when you pull it back and that allows it to keep going mm-hmm. it it wasn't working and so like it thought that it was always like in, uh, yeah. in the whatever whatever position that is so it would never run because it didn't recognize the thing so I think that's an amazing thing. It's like, yeah, you can just have simple talks with your neighbors. Yeah. And then and then when you can do that, you can figure out what is going on because they probably know about certain things that are happening in the community and like, oh, they, they want to put in this road over here. Oh, I didn't know they wanted to put in a road. Like, yeah. how did you find out about that? Like, oh, well, you can go and you can, again, have your voice heard. But yeah. And they have that app now, the Nextdoor app, which is really big up where right. I live. And. But even that will sometimes degrade into a fight. I mean, some, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of funny to read sometimes because somebody will put something up like, for Lent, I'm praying for people. If you need prayer, let me know. And then it becomes a religious freedom fight. And I'm like, <laughs> if, you, if you don't want prayer, just move on. You don't yeah. have to, like, yell about it. So. Yeah. <laughs> it, our, phones make us, our, our phones make us more, well, you said it earlier, didn't you? Our phones can make us more and social media can make us more fight ready yeah. than we would have been um, otherwise so anyway you are also working on like uh i want to talk about the the game that you're working with oh sure so um we're working with this game called heroes league um and it teaches kids um executive functioning skills um things that just we all need to live like how to focus how finances work um how to be good to other people, how to listen, how to understand different cultures. Mm-hmm. And, and what's cool about the game, these, these developers who have developed it, they've made it so that it plays on um, Google Chromebooks, which most public schools in Ohio use Google Chromebooks. Mm. And usually games don't work on Google Chromebooks well. And so they've, they've worked the back end so that it plays well on those books. And then when a school or a community decides they want to do a Heroes League game, the, the developers actually build the game around the school or the community. So you see things that you would know, like the the library might look like the library in your school on the game. Oh, they, cool. they really make it look like that. And then you go in and you play with your friends and other folks. It's, it's kind of like Minecraft. Um, you'll have these different little... Um, um, journeys or, or tasks you have to do. It's like a quest. A quest. That's the word. Quest is the word. And it's. I'm not a nerd, folks. 
I've, I can't. I, I played Pac-Man when I was a kid. That's about it. That's so, about it. And then actually this game, when you show it to adults, most adults are like, this seems kind of dumb. And, and basically we say adults don't understand it, but kids love it. And sure enough, they do. They love it. Um, Interesting. Down in Chesapeake, Ohio, which is down on the river in Appalachia, a grade school just started implementing it in their grade school. And it's for grade school kids. Um, and after two weeks, this kid who was very shy – didn't really like the talking to the other kids or the teachers. He's obsessed with the game, and now mm-hmm. he's talking more. And mm-hmm. and the other thing that it does is it bridges the digital divide. We have a digital divide in our country where those uh, here we are, middle class America. We all have internet. We all have you know our iPads or whatever. Right. Um, and our kids have them. Um, kids have the the game, all the games, all that stuff. That's all here. Yeah. Um, but you know, kids who live in poverty or don't have access to internet, don't have that. Appalachia is a great example of that in terms of not always having access to internet mm. and poverty is rampant down there. It's also mm. rampant, um, in our inner cities. And so often you, you maybe have a hot spot, but you may not have internet in your house. Mm-hmm. Um, but so these games though, you can play them and it teaches you the executive functioning skills that your kids are learning, mm-hmm. where you might not get it in any other way. So we're really targeting Title I schools and kids to, to help bridge the digital divide, which will help as kids become adults and how their brain functions and grows. Mm-hmm. It'll give them more opportunity to compete and, and be engaged. It can help in that that matter. I mean, yeah. Can you explain Title I schools? Oh, Title I schools are schools that... Um, it's low income. I don't know the I don't know the exact like sure. level, but it's it's low income basically is what it amounts to. Got it. Okay. Um, What's the name of the game again? Um, it's called Heroes League. Heroes League, and where where can people find it? Do you have to have a Chromebook? No, 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 no. You don't have to have a Chromebook, but it plays it plays well on that. Um, uh, there's a website. Okay. Do you have the website? Uh, yes. Yeah, so I, I think you it's, go to the website and then you. Download because our kids the application. Have played it. So yeah, the application on the App Store, so iOS and Google Play, uh-huh. it's called. Is it Woogie Create? Would you create Woogie Create? I don't even know. So it's, <laughs> and then you download it on your. Um, but if you look up Heroes League something nation like dot com, yes. Heroes League. We'll have all the instructions in our description. Okay, you can have it in your description. Okay. Yeah. I should have, I should have, I know it, I know the whole thing, but today it's Saturday. Yeah, no, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's a world leading kid driven game based skill learning platform. It takes the best features of the leading games and delivers a gaming experience for kids to learn life skills. And what website are you on? So this is Heroes League. Um, but this is, so this is the apps on Google, on the Google play store. So got it. Okay. Um, okay. So we'll have, we'll have instructions on how you can do that. So and we'll how your put, kids can yeah, get the involved. two different yeah. links to get the parent information and then to actually download the, the game. And the other cool thing about the game is on crew fire, we have a parents league and the idea is that kids get involved. The parents can get involved and share information with other parents who might want to do it. And also, there are quests in the game where you have to get parent involvement. Mm-hmm. And if parents do it, they get points. And then if they get so many points, they win things like gas cards or like a trip to the crew game wow, or a VIP awesome. state house tour. That's amazing. So yeah. we've, we've tied um, rewards to parents, so parents will get more involved as well. Yeah, that's I, really cool. I love that. How did you even get involved in this? I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, um, I've... I've been around for about 30 years in, in the professional space, and a friend of mine that I know um, just 
she got a call because she works with this national organization, mm-hmm. and they said, we want to go to Ohio. Who would be good? And she said, we'll call this woman. It was me. So <laughs> that's, that's how I get all my clients. Is I, it, and and um, oh, God bless your wife, by the way, because she's built a very nice website for me yes. that I still just want to take one more look at before we go live. It's going to be amazing. And it's been months and months and months. Oh, it's months. still not live yet. No, because of me. I get, I get, I, mean, I have some block about it or whatever. Yes. Anyway. No, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, yeah, she's really good at designing websites. Yes, because yes, really I started really my business good. back in 2020. Mm-hmm. And so since then, yeah, she was one of my. One of your first clients, wasn't she? One of my first she? clients. Yeah. Well, actually fourth, but yeah, yeah that's yeah. in the top five. Top first five. five. Top five. Yeah. Top, yes. top five clients. Yeah. That's really, that's really fascinating. I have a hard time making decisions in, in. I mean, you know this. Yep. Like when it comes <laughs> decision to decision like, fatigue, when is it actually very gets real. to like making a decision where something is going to like start. Yeah. yeah. I have a hard time making those decisions, especially yeah, like if, if there's <laughs> any kind of money involved. <laughs> if I know, if I know we want to get a decision made by a certain time, yep. it's sort of like back plan. Like, all right, if I know we need to decide like on a vacation, we start in January so I can get in and be like, yeah, let's and you gotta bring let's it go. Up, like like in July. <laughs> in July. And you got to bring it up weekly or so. Weekly or every, yeah, every few, uh, a couple times a week if you're like really busy or really slammed and you're not, you know. Yeah. So like so. if the dishwasher breaks, I can immediately make a decision to go oh, get yeah, another dishwasher. Oh, yeah, because we have to that's, wash the dishes. That's, that's fine. Yeah, that's easy. But if it's yep. something where like, oh, we need to... I don't know, get paint for the outside. Yeah, or the kids need swim lessons, or we have to decide on a summer yeah, let camp. Me, let me or... think about that extra long, and then I'll make, <laughs> yeah, and then I'll make my decision. I don't decision. know. I don't know, babe. That's amazing. That's great. I yes, love it. That's, uh, that's, uh, again, compliments. You compliment each other. Yes, yes you guys yes, do. That's good. That's good. I just can't believe all the different things that you have been involved in. It's really fascinating to me. Um, could you... We talked a little bit about this, and we're getting close to an hour, so I don't want to keep us over too long. But I kind of wanted to get you grew up in Appala- Appala- Appalachia, Appalachia, Appalachia. Yeah. It's a C H, right? C H. Some people say Appalachia, but I've been told the correct saying is Appalachia. Who knows? So, so I'm fascinated. Maybe that's not the right word. I've I've been interested in the last couple of years about finding out about rural America. I guess I could put it, mm-hmm. and the hardships that they've been going through and like how it even started. But So could you just talk through, because you, you still have, I imagine, family there. You still go and visit. So talk to us, as, as you said, as you kind of were mentioning before we even started the podcast. What have you been observing and noticing over the years about what difficulties communities like this have been going through? You know, it's the the drug crisis is the first thing that I would talk about. Um, it. The opioid, so the opioid crisis, there, there's actually a book, Sam Quinones wrote it, it's called Dreamland, um, and he's a reporter, I think with either, I think San Diego or San Francisco paper. He did a great job of telling a lot of the story of what's happening, but Dreamland is a pool in Portsmouth, Ohio, mm-hmm. where it was a pool that was 100, year, 100 yards long, it was a big pool. Mm-hmm. At one point, Portsmouth, Ohio was really successful. They had a lot of factories. There were a lot of jobs. Mm -hmm. There was a point they even had an NFL football team a long time ago before any of us were born. Oh, wow. Um, And they're on the river in Southern Ohio. They had every um, chance to kind of be a Cincinnati almost or whatever. Okay. It wasn't meant to be, but the factory life was a good life and you can make a great 
great living. My dad is from Scioto County, and they remember as a kid, you went to this big pool, and it was prosperous, you know, these blue-collar jobs making good, great money. Yeah. Well, um, there was a pill mill put in across the, the, the river, I think in South Shore, Kentucky, mm-hmm. once opiates were legalized, and they started prescribing them to people when they had injuries from their work because the work was hard and these... Um, industrial jobs or whatever. Yeah. And um, then it slowly became a, you know, an addiction issue because opioids are addictive. Mm-hmm. By the way, shame on the company that lied about how they did this. I mean, they've destroyed Seriously. generations of people's lives. It's yes. awful. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, um, so we had all these pill mills and then we decided, well, we can go shut down the pill mills and maybe that'll help. Mm-hmm. But we didn't think it through because what we did is we shut down we shut down the source, but we did not shut down the addiction. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so... Like the safe source, maybe? We shut down the safe source. Like, you're getting opioids. Now, you can still die. They can kill you, right? Yeah. But at least the pill mills were giving what was the pharmaceutical drug. Right, the yep. truest substance. Yes. Yeah. And in the, at the same time this is happening, down in Mexico, they've learned how to make black tar heroin. Mm-hmm. And they they start shipping it up through Colorado over seventy or whatever, and in southern Ohio, black tar heroin replaced largely the the um, opioids, okay. which it can kill you in one dose if it's not done right, and or, or even if it is done right. I'm guessing I don't know a lot about heroin. Of um, and then we it also we we still have a lot of the meth again is showing up because people can buy the stuff and just make it themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I. And and so the drug problem is a problem. The and everything else that goes with it, the the breaking in, you know, the the robbery, the not feeling as safe as you used to feel. In, yeah. in my hometown of Jackson, it's a nice town. They have a great chamber of commerce, they have great businesses, the downtown is cute. There's um I, I watch property values, they're going up, but they still have a problem. You know, they still have a problem with this. And sometimes when I'm down there getting gas or whatever and I look around, I'm like, Man, I, I feel safer in Delaware than I do here. Mm. And that's interesting to me. Yeah, that I that I would feel that way. Um, yeah, we got to do something. It, it's killing people. I've lost a niece to it, um, mm. and and we have addiction in our family. And I've lost a couple brothers to addiction as well. But we've mm. got to figure this part out because we need good workers. And, and Jackson's a great example. We have um, we have um, good factories down there now. There's jobs, and we they need to fill them. So um, the, so the jobs have they're not. It's not like a really bad job vacancy issue? Not re- not in Jackson so much, I would say. I don't know the numbers. But in other parts of Appalachia, it is. I mean, you yeah. go over to Monroe and Morgan County, there's hardly any people or jobs there, you know. Um, the the oil and gas industry, they've helped with that some. Mm-hmm. Um, the, we're supposed to get a cracker plant over there, but that seems to be on hold, which would, would be a lot of jobs. Like food crackers? No. Um, it's, a, it's a plant that takes the runoff from oil and gas and makes it oh. into stuff that chemical companies can use. Oh, so okay. yeah. So there's, there's, I mean, Appalachia has always been southern or Appalachia, Ohio has always been sparsely populated. It's always been a little depressed. Mm-hmm. But what you give up in that, you you gain, um, you know, family unit importance. You gain mm-hmm. feeling safe and all of that. And it's not all like that exactly anymore. I don't think. And, and I say that I haven't lived there since I graduated from high school. Sure, so, sure. Um, I still like the town. In fact, I look at property all the time, thinking when I retire, do I want to? Yeah, go sure. Go back down there, but sure. It has a warm place in my heart for yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating to me. Um, all of the different things that are that are that are going on. I think my biggest takeaways from our conversation have to do with being involved, being present, um, 
communicating with people, talking with people, having conversations, figuring out, I like the idea of figuring out your common ground, mm-hmm. figuring out what you got, what you can agree on with the people around you. And then, yeah, getting, getting involved locally, I think is, a, is, is something that's becoming, has become a lot more important to me in the last couple of years. And it's continuing to be really important to me. It's like, I think our tendency is to I don't know, maybe withdraw and try to not look at the problems and the issues around us yeah. because it's easier. But I think, I think as adults, we, I, I feel like we need to be able to look at the problems and the issues around us and try to affect positive change and try to link arms and with the people around us and try to affect change and to care about each other. Yeah, that's community. right. Um, anyway, so this has been a great conversation. I feel really? like it's been all over the place. I hope it's good. Those, no, I love those that. are some of the I best podcasts. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's good. the whole purpose of a long form <laughs> podcast is that I can, f- I can find out about all these different things and then we can just talk and go down whatever avenues th- that are presented to us. So this, mm-hmm. I, I love these kinds of podcasts. That's why people like long form podcasts is because there's so many different things that you can talk about and then you get to hear somebody else's perspective that you would never have been able to hear. And the next time you come back, Maybe we'll have a more focused conversation. Doesn't really matter. I hope you'll come back. Will you come back? I would love to come back. Okay. Yay, good. Yay. She said yes. <laughs> she said yes. Well, she kind of has to because she's That's on true. the podcast. That's she could be like, I'm never coming back here. <laughs> we don't know for sure. Yeah. We'll find out. In real life. In real life. But anyway, I want to give you uh, the, the ability to kind of close down the podcast. So if I want you to think about just different things that you might want to, you know, three minutes that you want to just say to people. I mean... I can think of, well, I didn't say that right. Could you maybe just think of ways to encourage people in people that are, are discouraged about what's going on in their communities, people that want to affect change, they don't know how to do it. Maybe they just feel overwhelmed. So maybe just kind of restate some of the things that you've stated, but just give some people out there encouragement on uh, on how they can give them hope, hope, hope on how they can positively affect their communities. If that makes sense. It does make sense. I, I, first of all, for those out there who are just discouraged and, and just think this is awful. Um, you, you know, the, the Bible says the heart is evil above all things who can know it. And we need to remember that, um, especially to the believers who are listening and, and to those who aren't, I hope you, you, you find the Lord at some point in your life, but, um, when you know that and you know the hope that Jesus brings, um, that explains a lot in the world. Mm. We often operate out of that place. Um, but then we are called to love. And my prayer, every morning I pray, God, and I, and I hope he does this because I know I, I fail him daily, but would you shine through me so others would get to know you? And I want that more than anything. Mm. And all of this that we're talking about comes down to a hope in God and God's love issue in my mind. Mm-hmm. So if you're discouraged, step out and get involved. But remember the heart lesson here, and, and, and that is um, get involved with a heart of love towards others and wanting to affect change so it helps people. Mm-hmm. And you'll be happier in the process than if you just want your way, so to speak. But I think we need good people walking around this earth in government and leadership positions, wanting to do well, 
or knocking door to door to talk about issues we're concerned about. And we just need connection and we're just lacking it so much. So be brave and go out and connect. And, and I guess I would say with the connection piece too, is we often are afraid to be the first to connect with neighbors and such, but they also are intimidated by it. Um, so I, I just encourage you to, to see the other people for who they are um, and get involved with a spirit of wanting to help. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I love that. Me too. Get involved with a spirit of wanting to help. And, the, and, and yeah, that's great. Bo, thanks yes. so much for coming on to the podcast. It was awesome. Thank you. Great having you. We'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody.